What's up, guys? Welcome to Wellness Beast, your raw and unfiltered resource for all things wellness. If you're interested in healthy living but are tired of the boring, uptight approach, then this podcast is for you. Each episode will cover a variety of topics that include down-to-earth health tips, business, lifestyle, and mindset, with a mix of special guests sharing their knowledge and expertise on these subjects. I'm your host, Chantel Rodriguez, content creator, artist, and wellness entrepreneur. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Beast Podcast. Um, We're keeping the momentum going with another heavy hitter special guest today. As you guys know, I'm very intrigued with the mind and mindset, so I'm really stoked for today's expert. She's a licensed psychologist specializing in health and wellness, a clinical department professor in the Department of Psychiatry at NYU School of Medicine, and has been featured in articles from NBC, CNN, and more. Please welcome my friend, Ms. Dr. Rachel Goldman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Likewise, and you are New York-based, so um, I know kind of pre-interview, we were just talking about the state of New York a little bit, but um, how are things over there? Yeah, I am... um... New York based and living in New York City. Um, so it's it's been interesting. It's I, I guess interesting is the word. Yeah. Um, it's I mean it's it's sad to be honest. Um, New York City is, you know, never looked like this before. We try to take our daily walks to get fresh air and, and movement in and you know, lots of stores are closed and boarded up. Um, obviously everyone's wearing masks. Right. Um, you know, we're we're all doing the best that we can. Totally. I know it's so strange. I was actually outside with my son uh, yesterday and he was just playing in the in the yard and I saw like some people walking by on a normal walk and they had masks on. We just kind of give each other a head nod. And it's so weird mentally to like for this to become our new normal. And I would imagine in New York, it's even like heightened to, you know, beyond what it is here in Orlando. Um, yeah. And it, it's just it's crazy times that we're living in. But hopefully with this episode, maybe we can share a few ways to just kind of... Uh, you know, mentally deal with this and, and just stay happy and positive in the best way we can. Yeah, definitely. And I think we have a lot of information that we can talk about and share to help everybody regardless of where they are right now. Right, totally. So um, let's start, I guess, with a little bit about what led you into practicing psychology, and then more specifically, why you center it on like health and wellness, if you're okay with that. Sure. Um, I feel like I could talk about that for a really long time. <laughs> so I'm going to try to give kind of the cliff note version. Okay. Um, so I, um, I actually feel very fortunate that I knew that I wanted to go into psychology um, w- when I was in college. So it wasn't at a young age, actually. Um, I always did. I knew I did not want to go into psychology at a young age because my mother majored in psychology in college and I felt very similar to my mom and I wanted to be different than her. So I was very adamant about not going into psychology, but um, my freshman year in college, I realized that that was my calling. Um, I used to dance and I went to school my freshman year for dance science, which is like physical therapy for dancers. And um, I was just exposed to the eating disorder world that I never was in the past exposed to because I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, you know, that just wasn't common in, in my dancing world. Um, and I just became fascinated by human behavior and very curious about different things and decided 
to transfer for a larger school and to major in psychology to study human behavior. So I, I know I started that with, I feel fortunate that I knew that, you know, when I was in college, because I think many people now after college realize that they want to go into this field. Um, so I do feel fortunate in that sense. So I was able to major in psychology and then very soon knew kind of the specialty I wanted. And I was able to seek out opportunities doing research and getting other opportunities before grad school, as well as in grad school, my internship and fellowship. So I'm very specialized from the beginning, really, even since my first year Um majoring in psychology. So I just having that dance background, I was very interested in the mind body connection and like nutrition and health. So I um, just started to take a lot of classes in health education, nutrition and psychology. And then as things continued, I just became more and more specialized as the years went on and with the different mentors that I had that was doing research in these areas that I found interesting. Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like a natural progression for you, especially like you said, I mean, dancing is a million percent a form of wellness and just movement exercise. Mm -hmm. So um, exactly. I think that's awesome. So you specifically, though, um, specialize in a form of psychiatry called cognitive behavioral therapy. So um, can you explain a little bit about what that specific therapy is and then how you use it to like help your patients? Sure. Um, so cognitive behavioral therapy is a specific type of therapy, or some people call it an orientation of therapy. And um, a lot of people refer for it, refer to it as CBT, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. And it was actually um, first started in the 60s by Aaron Beck, who was like the father of CBT. And the idea was that, um, you know, we can change unhelpful thoughts or behaviors, which is then going to lead to having improved health and wellness. So when we look at CBT, we're looking at the relationship between thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and we can change our thoughts or our behaviors, and it's going to kind of change the rest. So if you imagine kind of a triangle, I always like to kind of draw this out for my clients, and you put thoughts on the top, and then like emotions and behaviors. And you can think of it that way, but with arrows going in each direction, because they all affect each other mm. in different ways. Um, but if we change the thought or change the behavior, it's going to change the way that we feel. And that's going to change the resulting say behavior or thought that follows. So um, CBT is a very short-term therapy and it's present focus. So that's very different than perhaps a more um, psychoanalytic psychotherapy like Freudian or psychodynamic, which it's more on the past and talking about childhood experiences. So with CBT, we're talking about the present and the present symptoms or what people are struggling with and helping people in the moment feel better and to make those changes. And that's why it's short term, because it's really about filling that toolbox. So like me providing skills to my clients to fill their toolbox with lots of tools, so then they can have the tools readily available to them when they need them. So the idea is that it's a collaborative approach that we're working together, the therapist and the client. And one day, you know, in a shorter term, the the client is not going to need the therapist anymore because they're going to have the skills necessary to kind of navigate life. And that's also why CBT is so useful for even things like what you and I are going to talk about today, because they're really just skills that every anybody could utilize during difficult times. So you don't have to have a mental illness diagnosis 
um, in order to benefit from CBT. It's literally like if somebody feels stressed or anxious or somebody's going through like a life-changing event, perhaps they, you know, could benefit from these tools as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And that was my next question. Like, do you have to have or be diagnosed with a mental health condition or just anything like that to benefit? But um, this is basically anybody who just wants to make, uh, I guess, better transitions into just like healthier thoughts and and actions and would you um this is just a side question like do do some insurances cover this kind of therapy or does that just depend on their provider like how would people know if they can be covered in that kind of therapy yeah so most insurance companies do have mental health benefits and I always recommend that people just call their insurance company and ask what those mental health benefits are as well as if they have out-of-network benefits. So for instance, I'm a provider that actually does not take insurance. So I have my clients call to see what their out-of-network benefits are. And then my clients pay me, I give them an invoice that they then submit, or, or some people call it a super bill, that they then submit to their insurance and get reimbursed. Um, so I would say to just, you know, Obviously, if people want full reimbursement, you might want to go through a provider that is in network and you can find that list of providers from your insurance company as well. But I'm 99% sure that all insurance companies need to have some sort of mental health benefits, even if they don't have out-of-network benefits. And that would be for any form of psychotherapy. So when we code, um, you know, for that super bill or for insurance, it doesn't identify or it doesn't differentiate, say, CBT versus psychoanalytic therapy. It's just a code for psychotherapy. So okay, that's really then. just that mental health benefit piece. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you so yeah. much for clarifying that. Sure. Um, so aside from CBT, then another focus in your practice is stress management. And I mean, these days, especially, I think everyone, regardless of where you're living, is feeling stress in some form of or another. Um, so what are some top tips maybe that you could give for managing stress in, in during these crazy times? Um, and I know everyone's different, but like, are, do you have any specific kind of go-to ones that you recommend? Sure. Yeah. And the first thing I always like to kind of explain to people is kind of like what stress is and what's going on right now within our bodies and our mind. Um, so, you know, we can just think back to the fight or flight response. I'm sure many people have probably heard of that in one way or another, Um, But when we feel threatened or when there's a stressor going on, our body actually goes into this kind of survival mode um, and it helps us. It it helps us survive by either getting it prepared to flee the enemy, to either flee the situation or to fight the enemy. And when that's happening, our body is like every system on our body is changing, meaning our digestion typically slows down when we're feeling this fight or flight response. Our heart is beating faster. Our mind could be racing. Mm -hmm. um, Our pink, like, like everything, everything is changing. And that is very adaptive in the short term, because once again, it's preparing us to fight or flee. But when our body stays in that fight or flight response for too long and doesn't return to its baseline levels or pre-arousal levels, that's when chronic stress can happen. And when people are chronically stressed, that's when all of a sudden we start seeing other physical illnesses as well. And that's really that mind-body connection that there is, it's real, the mind-body connection. So I always say- It's like cortisol levels and stuff, right? 
Absolutely. Right. So even before this whole COVID situation, um, you know, I was doing stress management talks and, you know, speaking to my clients about stress management, because I think stress management techniques ought to be part of every individual's daily routine, because then what happens is you're lowering those pre-arousal levels to begin with. So now your baseline is already a little lower because you're doing these stress management relaxation techniques daily. So then when there is a stressor in your life, it's almost like a bump in the road. You do your technique, you come back down. Almost like instinctual. Exactly. Yes. Very automatic behaviors at that point. So, but to kind of put a positive spin on that, it's never too late. So if somebody hasn't been doing those things, um, I really do encourage people to start doing something daily that's good for their mind and their body to bring that stress level down um, because it can easily build up, build up, build up. And we don't want that to happen right now um, or ever really. Right. So So the first thing I usually recommend during this time, um, especially being that people are, you know, quarantined to their homes, a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed and anxious and can't concentrate and can't focus. And a lot of that is because there's this major disruption to our life, which also means there's a disruption in our routine. And by bringing back some sort of structure to our day, it's going to automatically kind of ease some of that anxiety. So when we wake up and kind of like, what do I do with myself today? And you're kind of stuck in the same four walls all day. um, We lose focus, we lose concentration, we get overwhelmed and all of these other things. So I always say to at least start with building that structure around your bedtime, your wake up time and your meal times. So if you haven't done this yet to to the listeners and you feel like you don't have a routine, this is a really good place to start. And it's going to really impact your mental well-being by having some structure. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of your activities can fall into place with that. Now I will add, in addition to the bedtime, wake up time and meal times, ideally you want to add some me time, which is some of that stress management as well. Um, and then work and other things you need to do, but just at least have that structure in place mm-hmm. is the first thing I would recommend. Definitely. And I know you and I also have spoke about, um, cause this was just something I saw you post on Instagram and I was like, okay, I already knew I loved her, but now I really love her because she's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's dropping gems about diaphragmatic breathing, which I personally yes. have practiced for many years and I, I can attest to its benefits. Um, and I see that you recommend that to your patients, which I love. So um, maybe you could share mm-hmm. what that is to, to the listeners who aren't familiar with it. Sure. And I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned it because when I was talking about the stress fight or flight response, I usually teach diaphragmatic breathing when I give kind of this um, stress corporate wellness talk as well as with all my clients, because when we are in that high arousal state and we're feeling stress, the quickest and easiest way to get us back to that pre-arousal level um, and that baseline level or back to relaxation is actually through our breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if we, once again, think about what stress feels like, you know, tense shoulders, tense headed, head, jaw, mind racing, heartbeat racing, um, on a physiological level, the breath work is going to bring us back down to that relaxed state automatically, almost like snapping your fingers or with one breath, once you practice and you get really good at mm-hmm. it. Um, 
So for that reason, I do teach diaphragmatic breathing because I think it is such a useful tool in every situation. Um, so the idea of diaphragmatic breathing is that you're breathing through your diaphragm. A lot of people, when you think, you know, and people say, take a deep breath, you see a lot of people kind of raising their chest, raising their shoulders, and that actually causes us to be more anxious because it's tightening everything up and we're making our heart rate beat faster because we're breathing through our chest as opposed to through our diaphragm. Mm. And the the best way I, I recommend people to practice and to know if your chest or your abdomen area is moving more is actually by placing one hand on your chest and one hand on your um upper stomach, lower rib cage area where your diaphragm is. So then when you take a breath in with diaphragmatic breathing, you're breathing in through your nose as if your belly is, ex- and, and with your belly expanding as if there's a balloon in your belly blowing up. And then when you exhale, you exhale through your mouth as if you're blowing out through a straw and your belly goes back in. Mm. But by having your hands there, you'll see what's moving more. And of course, I always say it's normal for your chest to be moving a little bit. If this is new to somebody and you're you're not used to this type of breathing, it might move a little bit more than you would like it to, but it just takes practice. Um, and I do encourage people to practice this type of breathing or another form of breath work um, first thing in the morning and before they go to bed. And the reason for that is those are actually two times of the day that your stress really could be impacting you. So right when people wake up, their mind is already probably jumping to a list of things they have to mm-hmm. do. So we are just going to calm down for a moment, take that pause, take that breath, set the tone of the day to be a little calmer. Yes. Yeah, totally. And, and then with the evening, actually right now with the COVID-19 situation, many people are reporting disrupted sleep. Um, and it's all related to the same thing, that anxiety, watching the news all day, mm-hmm. your mind is racing, you have worries that is going to either keep you from sleeping because your mind is still going or it's going to be waking you up in the middle of the night. So by practicing this before you go to bed, you're telling your body and your brain to slow down, to turn off. It's time to sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, I do encourage people to utilize this breath work again to once again, you're in that fight or flight response. You're, you know, your mind is racing, your heart is beating fast on a physiological level. You're going to bring it right to, to relaxation just by doing a few breaths. Yes, I can, like I said, a million percent attest to this because I'm one of those people, by the way, that has trouble sleeping at night, especially now. Um, I've always mm-hmm. not, I've always kind of had trouble sleeping, to be honest, my whole life. It's because I'm such a light sleeper that literally anything wakes me up. Um, so that mm-hmm. already was a, <laughs> a thing. But yeah. when you couple that with anxiety and the stress of this situation and just personal things happening in my life. Um, yes, I can say that it is true. And what I do at night is breathe. I just lay in the bed and I do, I practice my diaphragmatic breathing and it helps so much. That's yeah, amazing. So yeah. I, I highly encourage it so for good. anybody who, um, was looking for just something to help out. But aside from, uh, you know, your body and things, I know, which this kind of ties into it, our, our diet can also be affected by stress, right? So what mm-hmm. um, science have you found in your professional practice behind like stress eating? Because I know that's a thing, especially since we're cooped up in the house. Um, and how do we manage it? How do we know when we're stress eating or if we're like really hungry? 
Yeah, such a great question. And uh, yes, absolutely. People right now are really struggling with the stress and emotional eating. Um, And I always like to just kind of explain why that is first, because I I really believe if people have knowledge and understand why, then, you know, it's easier to take the next step. So if we just imagine right now, like all of our situations, we're living from home, we're working from home, we're homeschooling from Mm -hmm. home, we're doing everything from home. Um, and during the day, say we're in the office and we need a mental break, we might walk to a colleague's cubicle or office and have a chit chat. We might check our personal email. We might take mm-hmm. a walk, break it up, get a little. coffee, et cetera. Exactly. We need those mental breaks during the day. Unfortunately, it's not so easy. We don't have as many places to go on these mental breaks when we're confined to our house or our apartment. Um, and we at work, most likely some offices do have kitchens, but most likely you don't have a fully stocked or semi-stocked kitchen, just a few feet away or a few steps away rather. Um, so for all of those reasons, people are ending up in the kitchen a lot more and people probably stocked up on foods that maybe they don't typically have in the house, um, out of this, you know, fear of not being able to get food and all these other real fears that are going on. So these foods are also now in the house that perhaps they either didn't have before or are foods that they just, you know, maybe are less healthy. So for all of those reasons, people are really struggling with food and eating right now. And I think, um, you know, when I talk about emotional eating all the time, not even during this situation, you know, the, the next thing I like to talk about is differentiating that physiological hunger from that emotional hunger. Um, so you know, there's a few questions you can ask yourself to figure that out. But the first sign I usually tell people is if you find yourself in the kitchen, opening and closing the cabinets or opening and closing the refrigerator, it's like you're searching for something. And that's a sign that you are not physiologically hungry. If you are physiologically hungry and you open the refrigerator and saw a bowl of fruit, you would grab, say, the apple or the orange or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the emotional hunger, you are craving something very specific And usually it is something, um, carbs, exactly carbs or sweets. So that sugar aspect. Um, so that would be the first thing, like the light bulb will go off, say, if you're opening and closing. Um, and then you can ask yourself, what is going on and think about it. Take that moment. Maybe you need to take a breath when you notice yourself opening and closing the cabinets, take a breath and then say, what's going on right now? Maybe you've been sitting at your desk, you know, for hours and you need a mental break. Maybe you're feeling stressed. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe you're physiologically hungry. Um, you know, but asking yourself what's going on right now and asking when is the last time that I ate? So that's, that's a big mm-hmm. thing. So if you ate three to four hours ago, you are most likely physiologically hungry. If you ate an hour ago, most likely, and there's a but with this one, most likely you're not physiologically hungry. But then the next question will be, what did I eat? Mm-hmm. If you ate something that was, say, um, high starch without protein and fiber and not good nutrients that would fill you up, you may actually still be physiologically hungry. Um, but asking yourself those questions is going to help you figure out what's going on. Once you've been able to identify what's going on and the physiological hunger versus the emotional hunger, if it's emotional, that then will be the sign. Let me do something else instead. So um, you probably need a mental break at that time. It's, you know, or you're feeling stressed or anxious. And that would be a great time to pull from that toolbox, another tool 
if it be the deep breathing, if it be um, whatever coping mechanism works for you. And that could be taking a walk if you feel comfortable doing that. That could be calling a friend, reading a book, anything, some kind of distraction for a few minutes. And that'll give you the break that you need during that time. Um, And after, say, 10 minutes of doing that distraction, you still feel like eating whatever it was, then eat it. But it wasn't an impulsive act out of an emotion. You took the time to think about it. You identified what's going on. You tried something else. And then maybe you're like, you know what? I just want a cookie. Then go have the cookie. Right, right. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I wonder why we reach for sugary things and just kind of like process things. Um, Maybe does the sugar like release endorphins or something? Like why aren't we grabbing healthy food? (laughs) Yeah, so there's actually something with the sugary foods that um, in our brain releases um, the chemicals related to the reward center. Mm -hmm. So like our reward center in our brain is highlighted or activated when we eat those sugary foods. Mm. Um, So we're getting an immediate benefit from it on a mechanical brain level. Um, And that's, and that's really part of it. So there's like fMRI scan studies that have shown that. Mm. Maybe we can go back to like CBT and train ourselves to like be happy on fruit and (laughs) veggies. Well, Absolutely. And actually, you know, I use CBT um, in these situations because even like when I said, you know, if you really decide that you want the cookie, just eat it. What I always say is it brings us back to that idea of the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are linked. If you make the conscious decision and if your thought is, I want to have a cookie, then have it. It's the thought that follows the behavior that's actually more important. So if you're going to feel guilty about having that cookie after you have the cookie, that following thought is going to impact the next step and is going to make you feel a certain way, which is then going to behave a certain way, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, you know, I'm making the decision. I'm making, like, I'm taking a moment. I'm making the conscious decision that I want the cookie. Like, I'm acknowledging that I'm stressed, but I want it. Maybe I'm going to do, maybe I'm going to take a walk first, but now I've come back. I want it. I'm going to eat it you feel more in control. And when we feel like we have control over a situation, we don't feel as guilty or we don't feel guilty because that was a conscious decision. Right. We're not even thinking. We're irrational beings really when we're emotional and we impulsively grab the cookie, we eat it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Ugh, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the thoughts that people have after after they eat things when they don't feel in control. So you want to take that control back which is going by taking that pause, that moment and asking yourself those questions, you're going to feel more in control. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and speaking of, of, oh, I can hear your little one. <laughs> no, it's fine. I love it. And like uh, many of us, Dr. Rachel's working from home. And guys, this is we're all adapting to this new way of life. I love that. Exactly. That, yeah. And I'm making it work. My son's here, too. So, guys, if you have a passion or you just got to find a way to make it work. So I love exactly. that. I hear little one back there. Um, <laughs> but um, speaking. Of, so I'm really passionate about mindset and, and positivity more specifically. And it's something that I know I really enjoy uh, with your Instagram uh, because you share different just kind of encouraging quotes and things. And it's not like overly pushy and like rainbows and butterflies. It's just like, hey. Let's try to be as positive as we can with the realistic circumstances that we're experiencing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And, but how important is it? Because I know for me personally, it makes a big difference. Excuse me, when I, when I'm, when I consciously try to be more positive and see the, the good happening rather than focus on the negative. But how important is mindset for individuals, especially during this 
time and mm-hmm. and has it been proven um that a positive mindset will make a difference in in people's lives especially again during this pandemic sure so first i want to just say i'm so happy to hear that my instagram shows that because i try to be so real mm-hmm. and positive and i'm glad that you that people see that balance mm-hmm. so um so that makes me happy um but yes absolutely what you just said um you know brings back that whole idea once again of our thoughts emotions and behaviors so if we have a negative mindset if we're thinking something negatively it is going to have a direct impact on how we're going to feel and then that's going to impact how we're going to behave and it's going to be kind of like this negative downward spiral so when we think negatively we feel yucky, say, and then it leads to negative behaviors. Um, So focusing on the positive, we can do. And it may not seem real at the beginning. Like we may have to feel like we're faking it a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, But in time, we will start believing it because our thoughts actually become our reality. So if we are thinking negative, we are going to become negative, so to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So because of that, it's so important. And cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, I I feel bad keep bringing it up, but it's so relevant. No, Um, please do bring it up. It's valid. But right, because cognitive behavioral therapy is challenging those unhelpful thoughts and then changing them. So, you know, for instance, I, I just gave a presentation on this yesterday and I gave the example of a thought um, of I'm going to get COVID-19. So that's like a very common thought that people mm-hmm. are having right now. And I'm not going to sit here and deny it and say you shouldn't have that thought because it's a common thought. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But if that were to be somebody's thought, we can just think, how is that going to make us feel? Well, it's probably going to increase anxiety, increase worry, increase concern, um, and probably not get us to feel really good. So instead, we can challenge that thought. And once again, it's not going to be all rainbows and unicorns. Like I'm not saying to completely change it to something super positive that's unrealistic. Like I know I'm not going to get it if for whatever reason, if you maybe, you know, you're not going to get it, but that's probably not realistic. Right. Um, but I, we, you know, but a p- more, p- more helpful thought could be. I'm doing everything that I can to try to prevent myself from getting COVID-19. So to remind yourself to change that thought. So now this new thought is not going to make us feel overly anxious, worried, concerned. Instead, you might just feel more calm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like not going to make me feel amazing. I could still get it, but we don't know if you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. All we know is you can do what's in your control. So by just changing the mindset, typically with like shifting one word, even um, you're shifting that whole mindset, which is then going to lead to a different feeling and emotion, which then leads to a different behavior, which means leading to a different life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the positive mindset is very important. And that's something I'm reminding people during this time is to focus on what's in your control. Like we could all sit here and focus on the negative and focus on what is completely out of our control. But once again, that's not going to get us anywhere good. We're not going to be useful or effective or productive in whatever we're doing. Um, But if we focus on what is in our control, we feel more in control and then we're acting differently. We're feeling a little more calm. Right, exactly. And and that leads me kind of to my next thing that I wanted to talk about, which was anxiety. I know we've kind of touched base um, with it a little bit earlier in the interview too, but... um, I mean, anxiety is so common even before the COVID-19. I mean, this is just something Mm -hmm. that's so common in our society. But, um, you know, I think you really explained it well. And just to to kind of focus on what we have control over, because anxiety is that it's like a 
um, I don't want to say an irrational worry or fear because some of them could be rational, like in this case with the virus, like it's a rational fear. But, you know, it, what good is it really doing when it's still it's still a hypothetical situation that we're creating? Um, right. At the end of the day, there's no like actual thing happening. And I um, and I talk about this because, you know, I as somebody who who's experienced, I do experience it and I have in the past and I've learned to manage and control it a lot better. But um, it's like our mind, you know, I've used this analogy a lot to people that I kind of try my best to explain it to where it's like your mind is you know like the general and we're just sending out signals where we're like oh shoot something's wrong and then your body starts responding your heart starts beating faster like you said and you know your body doesn't really know if something is happening or if it's a hypothetical situation so you're just Mm -hmm. feeling this as though it's already happening that's when panic attacks and stuff start to happen so I know for me and like you said a toolbox of mechanisms and just every everybody has what works for them you know and Mm -hmm. for me it's art and creativity one for sure always has been ever, ever since I was a kid And then two, I like to like focus on like a step by step kind of um, it could be anything, honestly, and it helps to redirect my mind's attention onto something else. And then I find that it helps. So, yeah, that's wonderful. And yeah, and I love that you said that, too, because um, about the anxiety being it could be a real threat or a perceived threat, because that also that's the thing with the like fight or flight response. Our body doesn't know how to distinguish the real threat from the perceived threat. So if we're thinking that this is a threat and, you know, that's our perception of the situation, we're going to go into that higher stress level. Um, and actually there's was research done in, at Penn State that said that it was our perception I'm, I'm sorry, that said that it was our, the, our reaction to the stressor is what predicts our physical health a decade later, as opposed to the stressor itself, mm. meaning it is how we perceive and react to st- stress that's going to protect our health. Um, but we all perceive things differently. And that's where our, our thoughts come into play. So I always explain it as there's like a neutral situation until our thought comes into play and we interpret the event. So that's the difficult part with COVID-19, though, is because, you know, a lot of times with anxiety, it, it, is a real threat, but it's, um, you know, people's perception of it perhaps could become irrational. And this situation is, it is a real, real threat. Exactly. You know, it's, I can't deny it. Like when I do these presentations, it's not like, oh, that's an irrational thought. Like that's a rational thought that we might get COVID-19. Um, but once again, is that a helpful thought is the question. Right. Um, so, so it's what you do with that thought how you perceive the stressor and then how you react to that stressor was going to help determine one's overall wellness. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And, you know, I know it's easier said than done sometimes, but it's so important that we try, you know, because like you said, it's overall, for the most part, we have a lot of control over things. And I think just shifting our energy on what we can control is just going to help us get through this really difficult and uncertain time. Um, But speaking of just, this time and your little one in the background. So for our parents, no, no, I love this because this leads right into, he's just segued <laughs> into my next question. Um, For us parents, especially, this is just like a whole new uh experience because like I personally already homeschooled and worked from home, but I know for many that was not the case. So to be thrown into mm-hmm. this new world of like having to balance it all is probably really crazy. Um. So what is what is, can you share a little bit about your make it work hashtag and the importance of like community when it when it comes to being a parent? 
Sure. So um, it's funny because when I first had my little guy, who's now 17 months old, um, people used to always ask me like how I do it. Like, how am I home with him and working and, you know, trying to stay healthy and fit and et cetera. And literally, I didn't know what to say other than, I don't know, I'm making it work, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's all I could do, you know, and to me, there's no other way to do it. I'm like, I have no other choice. I'm going to care for my child. And I, I have a profession that I love. I'm going to continue. So, um, I think that goes along with just kind of being flexible in your mindset and learning to be creative with what you have to do. So like when I work out now, you know, since obviously I'm not going to the gym, I'm working out from home, you know, we've turned it into like a family workout. And if my son wants to be involved and wants to be held, I pick him up and we do squats together. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's how I make it work. Um, But once again, I think a lot of that has to come from being, having a flexible mindset and that's actually getting away from, which I didn't identify or, or define this earlier, but those automatic unhelpful thoughts that we have, we can also call them cognitive distortions. That's what we call them in psychology and, um, getting like, say a cognitive distortion is this all or nothing thinking. Like if I don't have an hour, I'm not going to do it at all. Or if my son's awake, I'm not going to exercise, but being more flexible with your thinking is something's better than nothing, which is literally what I'm doing. Um, so just have be, having a more flexible mindset allows that. And I'm not going to sit here and deny the fact that it's um, not easy. You know, I mean, this is difficult. What we're all going through right now, if, if people are homeschooling, working from home, have kids, all these things, it is not easy. And I think, you know, yes, being flexible is important. But even more important than that is to be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. We are all struggling. And that's one thing that I kind of like about this situation is that everybody is experiencing something similar, although, of course, we all experience it differently. Um, but we're all going through something similar right now. So pull from each other. We are all feeling tons of different emotions right now. These emotions are, you know, flying by the minute for some people having conflicting emotions at the same time is not even uncommon right now, Mm -hmm. um, or changing emotions by the hour. So pull from your resources, get support. Yes. Physically people can't be with you helping you, but you know, reach out to people, loved ones, support. There's lots of resources, you know, available even for mental health if people need additional resources. But pull from that support, be flexible and be kind to yourself. There are so many messages, unfortunately, that I've been seeing lately about this added pressure. You know, like I think a lot of people are saying like, oh, if you don't come out of this quarantine, learning a new language or reading a book, Mm -hmm. like where was your motivation? Like, I'm sorry, but throw that in the garbage. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. um, there is enough going on by all means. If you are bored, sure, pick up a book and read or learn a new language or whatever. Mm -hmm. But don't put that added pressure on yourself because we are all just trying to survive Mm -hmm. right now. Um, We're all kind of in that survival mode. And remind yourself that this is not the time to put added pressure on yourself. This is also not the time, like you don't have to be the quote, perfect teacher. You're not a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're a parent trying to homeschool your child the best that you can. And that's all you can do. Um, So I think kind of dropping some of those expectations that we have on ourselves can be difficult, but so important. And I think once we lower those expectations, there's a real big sense of relief and um, and a sense of accomplishment because we can get more done when we don't feel like we have this never ending to do list with all these expectations built up. Yeah, I think that is so well said. And it's so important, especially too, if you 
find yourself on social media, for example, and it's doing more harm than good, then take a break because there can be a lot of noise there or accounts. First of all, you shouldn't even be, in my opinion, following people that aren't inspiring you. And I personally resonate with people that keep it like so real and authentic and like, you know, not everyone has it all together. Not, I, not everyone mm-hmm. I know, at least. Um, so it's it is important to just kind of, you know, like you said, be kind to yourself and alleviate yourself from those kinds of unnecessary added pressures because we're all just doing the best we can. And that's all we can do, you know. Exactly. And I think remind ourselves also that, um, I mean, first, I agree with you, like unfollow or mute people that don't inspire you or that make you feel not good. But also remind yourself that social media is a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. Like most people are showing their best selves. um, And, you know, maybe connect with the people that you do see are more real and showing all sides of it. Um, But, you know, it's, I, I mean, I even follow some people and I'm like, really? Like, this is what mm-hmm. your life looks like right now? Like, how is that possible? We're going through <laughs> this major stressor and, you know, it looks like it's not affecting them in any way, mm-hmm. um, but it is, you know, and I think that's a reminder that we're all going through something right now. We're all going through something once again, similar, but we're experiencing it perhaps differently or reacting to it differently, but absolutely like connect with the people that you feel connected to and that you can relate to. And once again, right now is the time to really reach out to those people and feel supported um, and not to put that added pressure on yourself. Yep. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, And then so last, I just want to say, like, if my listeners are interested in seeking cognitive beha- behavioral therapy, um, but they're not located in New York to be able to be your patient, is there like a database mm-hmm. you recommend that they check out? Or should they just Google psychologists that specialize in it? Like, how should they go about that? Yeah. So there's a few ways. Um, first, I think if people do want to go through their insurance company, they could get a list from their insurance company of providers. It would take a little bit of work, though, because you might have to look up each individual and see on their like about um section of their website, like what theoretical orientation they are. And it should state CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy if that's what they're looking for. Um, Another one is psychologytoday.com has a find a therapist search. Um, And I think you can put in there special, you know, like specific filters and sorting it through say CBT. Um, And then also, I mean, you can always Google it. I think some people randomly found me by looking up like New York's CBT therapist or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always also happy to help if people um, want to message me or email me. I can, you know, and like help you in your area. I might know a therapist in your area. And if I don't, I do have a great network of therapists that probably knows somebody that knows somebody type of thing. Um, so I'm always happy to help with that as well. Perfect. Well, um, if you could um, go ahead and please share your Instagram handle and like your website and maybe the best contact for anyone who does have more questions and wants to reach out to you. Of course. Um, sure. So my Instagram is Dr. Dr. Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L-N-Y-C as in New York City. And then my website is drrachelnyc.com. And my email is drrachelnyc at gmail.com. So pretty easy if you remember Dr. Rachel NYC. Um, once again, I'm and I have more information about my background, um, you know, on my website as well. But I'm always happy to hear from people. Once again, um, you know, I always like to remind people Instagram is not therapy. 
But if you want to message me, um, I'm happy to provide some resources or try to, you know, get you the help that you might need or answer your questions. Yes. And she's been on a roll, guys. Like she's been doing free <laughs> lives and different like uh, seminars and presentations. So, I mean, I just love that you're giving back so much right now, especially during this crazy time in the world. Um, just sharing your knowledge with so many people and just sharing so many helpful tips. And most of that Thank is you. on your Instagram, right? It is. Yeah, I usually announce on there. So I've been trying to do one kind of free virtual event a week. Um, it's oh, I guess it's been happening <laughs> a week so far. Um, and I would, uh, you know, I'll post that when they are when they are happening, or people can message me, you know, when is your next event? Um, and then yeah, there's always different interviews that like, I think today I posted um, an interview that I did similar. We, we spoke about some of the stuff I spoke in that interview, but like a media interview. So there's always tips and information that I'm posting as it's coming out as well. Perfect. And I, hopefully we can maybe even coordinate um, doing some sort of video or something where we can show people how to do diaphragmatic breathing. Maybe people can do it with us. That'd be kind of fun. Oh yeah. Let's do that. When we're, when we get off the phone, we'll coordinate a date and maybe we can do a live on that. Yes, that would be so great. Well, Dr. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time out of your crazy schedule. um, Just to just share your knowledge with us today. I mean, I love chatting with you and just picking your brain. um, And I'm so happy that our paths crossed. Me too. Thank you so much. And I'm, I feel the exact same way. I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed and that we're able to do this. Likewise, will you stay safe with your beautiful family? And uh, um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Dr. Rachel. If you did, um, you guys know the deal. Please give it a like and rating. But most importantly, subscribe to stay up to date on all the new episodes that will be coming your way. And uh, we wish you many blessings and we'll catch you on the next episode.